Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hey, welcome back. So we are switching things up today because I haven't finished the witching hour yet. It is a 1,038 page beast and I am getting through it at kind of a more mediocre pace than what I normally do. And I really wanted to finish it before I did the episode on it. The paying job has to come first. So reading kind of comes second and this one has taken a little bit longer for me to get through. So I wanted to hold off on the episode before we're talking about it since I haven't finished the book. Instead, we're going to be talking about best-selling author Nora Roberts. And I've wanted to do some best-selling authors as kind of more of an overview than one specific novel. Stephen King is somebody that I want to talk about as well. And again, more of an overview versus a specific novel. They both have so many books out there that to me, it makes more sense to kind of talk about several of the novels versus just one. I think we're missing out on so much. And because there are so many books out there, I don't want to spend multiple episodes on bestselling authors that have a ton of books out there when there's so many other great authors out there as well. I had a great weekend, even with the snow, and I did lots of reading, but still not enough reading to finish it. I think I'm like in the 400s, like I think I'm on page 489 right now. So I've got over 500 pages yet to go, but I am going to finish it before next week's episode. So I'm working on that. (laughs) Spring is still a bit away and I am more anxious than ever as I think are all of my friends in the Midwest and in other areas where you're waiting for the snow to go away you're waiting for the sun to come out and you're waiting for that warm shorts weather, which for people in the Midwest, like Wisconsin, is usually about 50, 55 degrees Fahrenheit when it turns to shorts weather. The booze this week is Third Space Brewing Nice Day IPA. As you know, I am all about the IPAs and Third Space is a local Milwaukee brewery. A couple of locals met as kids at a summer camp in northern Wisconsin and I love to read how these people meet. I can't remember. I think it was Flying Dog Brewery that they had kind of a cool story too. Oh yeah, they met like at the summit of K2 or they met at the hotel after meeting at the summit and talked about creating a brewery. So it's really fun how people meet, they connect and they help each other make their dreams come true. So that's really cool. Third Space Brewing also has a beer school, which I thought was awesome. And I might try to attend that probably more so towards the summer just because work's been kind of busy lately and I've kind of got some plans for the next couple months. Hopefully in the summer that's something I can do. This was a fruity IPA with, if you think of IPAs, that normally sharp edge of IPAs were kind of rounded off. And and I'll kind of explain a little bit more of that too here in a second. So it's 6.8% alcohol by volume and then it is also 30 IBA use, which is a new scale for me. Not all beers have this information. IBU stands for International Bitterness Unit, which you guessed it, measures the beer's bitterness. So that's kind of a way to see kind of how that sharp edge is going to taste. So in comparison, Third Space Brewing's other IPAs were around like a 45 or 50, with the exception of the double IPA being an 80. That makes a little more sense in my mind that this was a 30 IBU and others are generally in that 45 to 
50 or even 80 range. It's a new scale to pay attention to if it's available. So I'm going to keep an eye out on that. And we'll probably talk about that a little more in the future. I was surprised by the sweetness of this, but it wasn't overly sweet. It was kind of fruity. And I really was surprised by the taste. And I really liked it. It reminded me of the hop house from last week, like it was more easy drinking beer. I actually just tried this the other day. I was waiting for the dinner order for my family. And as I was picking it up, I just had a tapper of it. I'm like, oh, this looks good. So I thought I'd try it. And I'm glad I did because it might be my new favorite IPA. And while I was waiting for the food and drinking my IPA, I was reading The Witching Hour. I promise. So I will get that done. Let's talk a little bit about this week's author, Nora Robert. When we talked about Anne Rule and Legacies, she's definitely got competition here with Nora Roberts and the mythology of this super diverse author. Nora Roberts' name is synonymous with romance novels, but she's also written fantasy, crime, mystery, suspense, and even YA. She's got a ton out there. Her real full name is actually Eleanor Marie Robertson, and she's written under the pen name Nora Roberts, also J.D. Robb, Jill March, and Sarah Hardesty. She was born October 10th, 1950. She's only 71, so she's got plenty of good writing years left. But she's got plenty of novels out there. According to her website, she's written 214 novels. Not sure if that's current or up to date. Regardless, that's such an insane number. And again, why I didn't want to just pick one book to represent Nora Roberts. I wanted to talk about a couple of different books that I've read of hers so people can get an idea of the diversity and the different options she's got out there because she isn't just a romance novelist. Well, it's not shocking she was a victim of plagiarism. The fact that it was by another best-selling author is shocking to me. The other best-selling author is Janet Daly. And this is a little ironic because Roberts was initially rejected by a publisher who noted that they already had their American romance novelist, who was Janet Daly. Daly admitted to the plagiarism and attributed it to a psychological disorder. And I'm sure she's plagiarized on a much smaller scale as well, probably all the time. This was a huge deal and pretty crazy considering that Janet Daly herself is a best-selling and very successful author. This is her bio from the website. Nora Roberts was born in Silver Spring, Maryland, the youngest of five children. After a school career that included some time in Catholic school and the discipline of nuns, she married young and settled in Keatsville, Maryland. She worked briefly as a legal secretary. Quote, I could type fast but couldn't spell. I was the worst legal secretary ever. Unquote. She says now. <laughs> I love that. After her sons were born, she stayed home and tried every craft that came along. <laughs> a blizzard in February 1979 forced her hand to try another creative outlet. She was snowed in with a three and six-year-old with no kindergarten respite in sight and dwindling supply of chocolate. <laughs> That can be terrible for a mother, let me tell you. I can still remember the snowstorm of Groundhog's Day, February 2nd, 2011, which I was pregnant with my son and I had my bonus daughters with me. And it was a fun day, but believe me, I will never forget being snowed in with those kids and being pregnant. And that was the first time that I had any food aversion because of my pregnancy. I made the kids homemade mac and cheese, pulling it out of the oven. I was like, Mm, not for me today. <laughs> I think I had chips and salsa, which I did quite frequently while I was pregnant because that was the only thing I could stomach at the time. <laughs> 
Continuing with Nora Roberts' bio, born into a family of readers, Nora had never known a time she wasn't reading or making up stories. During the now famous blizzard, she pulled out a pencil and notebook and began to write down one of these stories. It was there that a career was born. Several manuscripts and rejections later, her first book, Irish Thoroughbred, was published by Silhouette in 1981. Nora met her second husband, Bruce Wilder, when she hired him to build bookshelves. They were married in July 1985. Since that time, they've expanded their home, traveled the world, and opened a bookstore together. Throughout the years, Nora was always surrounded by men. Not only was she the youngest in her family, but she was the only girl. She has raised two sons. Having spent her life surrounded by men, Ms. Roberts has a fairly good view of the workings of the male mind, which is a constant delight to her readers. It was, she's been quoted as saying, a choice between figuring men out or running away screaming. <laughs> Nora is a member of several writers groups and has won countless awards from her colleagues in the publishing industry. Recently, The New Yorker called her America's favorite novelist. I mean, that's certainly debatable, but she's definitely extremely popular and has sold a ton of books and published a ton of book. There are a lot of best-selling authors who are ignored and or destroyed by critics that though they're bestsellers for a reason. I've talked a lot about Reddit and the groups that I follow, but they would absolutely belittle anything written by Nora Roberts and denigrate anyone who admitted to enjoying her book. In literary circles, I'd say bestsellers are looked at similarly to the YA genre at large, that it's not even really considered literature. I'm still of the camp that live and let live, or in this case, read and let read read. If you don't want to read Nora Roberts, then don't. But don't disparage those who enjoy novels. As for Roberts, she'll just be laughing all the way to the bank, especially with 214 novels, many of those bestseller. <laughs> common complaints about Nora Roberts specifically is that she's formulaic. And this is a pretty common accusation of bestselling authors. With this complaint, like James Patterson also comes to mind. He's also someone who's accused of being very formulaic. And I would actually agree with that. She is pretty formulaic especially in her romance novels, but it's a formula that works. And if you're going to read book after book of Robert, then it might get pretty rough because I think you'd notice that much more. I only read like one or two of her books per year, so it doesn't really bother me. She's found success in her formula. I'm enjoying some of her books, so I'm not going to be the one to judge her on that. I've read a number of her books and my thoughts on them go from zero star ratings to five stars, kind of as a guilty pleasure read. I wouldn't necessarily compare the five stars I give one of her books to say like the five stars that I gave the five wounds last week. It's just a different style of reading and it's a different style of writing. But let's talk about a few of the books I read and I will share my thoughts on them. First of all, Northern Light. This is the book that got me into Nora Roberts to begin with. I'll admit it was partially my guilty pleasure with celebrity gossip that made me want to read this book. I'm also really interested in traveling to Alaska since the book is set in Alaska and that enticed me all the more. So when I talk about the celebrity gossip, if you don't know any of this and how it's connected, let me explain. So country singer Leanne Rimes and actor Eddie Cibrian had an affair, cheating on their respective spouses while making the movie for the Lifetime Network of Northern Lights. Movie was horrible. You could totally skip it. <laughs> but I loved the 
the book and I had been wanting to read it and I found it at a resale shop in Northern Wisconsin for 25 cents. So I don't know how you can get any better deal than that. The movie is set in, well, the book and the movie, I guess, set in this fictional town in Alaska where the new chief of police, Nate Burke, is coldly welcomed by the town, except for a select few. Meg Calloway is one of those that keeps Nate at a distance and she's a bush pilot. While it's mainly a romance, there is a murder mystery that definitely keeps things more interesting as well as Robert's description of small town Alaska. Roberts is so successful, she likely doesn't do all of her own research, but has someone do her research for her. But I really like how much detail that goes into the novel on what it's like being a bush pilot and what it's like living in Alaska. I thought those points were really super interesting. Meg is a tough character who I liked and I could relate to. As far as attractiveness, the main characters are all book perfect, (laughs) but they do have complicated histories that do weave together nicely to form a pretty compelling story. It's one of my favorite books, I will admit, and it's comfort read. I really enjoyed it and I've got it on my list to to pick up again, but I've got to get through that beast of a book, The Witching Hour. Next up is the Cousins O'Dwyer series. These were actually the first books by Nora Roberts that I read, and I just read them on Kindle, not even really realizing they were Nora Roberts. I was actually kind of surprised to see they were Nora Roberts, and I was like, oh, this kind of isn't what I expected of her. It's a fantasy series that follows three witchy cousins in Ireland who are battling an evil force that has haunted their family for years. The series begins with Iona Sheehan traveling to Ireland to meet her cousins after her grandma mother passes. This triggers the awakening of an ancient spirit destined to end the O'Dwyer line. I'm interested in all things Ireland and all things witchy. So this was a tentative but must read. I've read a lot of bad witchy books, so I was still a little leery. It was an easy reading series that I enjoyed. I immediately felt immersed in their lives with Ireland as the backdrop, and that was super cool. While it's mostly set in a small town, there's some great descriptions of the castles and other areas of interest around Ireland. I feel a bit that there's this stereotype of witches that they all have to have these herbal shops like in this series in Alice Hoffman's books. But I guess maybe it's not much of a stereotype because it's really a common way for people interested in herbology and natural healing to make money. I'm witchy and I've made a lot of my own natural products as well and maybe might start selling them myself down the line. But it's I guess it's not so much of a stereotype. These are definitely romance novels. So in each of the three books in the series, there is a central romance. I don't naturally seek out romance novels, but I do enjoy some if I like the setting as well as the other story that's being told kind of alongside of that romance. While the first book, Dark Witch, was my favorite, my favorite character in the series is Branna O'Dwyer. Her love story doesn't unfold until the final book, but she's such a great presence throughout the series. She's like the glue that holds their whole group together. I really admire her strength and her natural leadership. The relationship between the three women, Iona, Brana and Mira is well-written, lighthearted, and just fun. It's another one of those comfort reads. I've read the series twice now, and I just found the first book at Goodwill recently, and I had to buy it, so it's on my shelf now. I'd only read the ebooks previously, and I'm not even joking. I forgot that I bought it. <laughs> I'm glad I did buy it, but I was just at Goodwill after that trip pretty recently, and I was like, oh, if that book's still there, I'm going to buy it. And I looked, and I was a little disappointed that it wasn't there. But then I came home and was looking at my bookshelf and I was like, oh yeah, I did buy it. Yay. Good, good for me. It was only $3. (laughs) 
I did try the audio book, but I hated it so much that I had to return it. It was an older recording, so I'm just chalking it up to that. I just recently tried Chasing Fire, and I did not finish this book. It is few and far between that I DNF a book, which is did not finish. So if you're looking at Goodreads or Reddit or places like that, a DNF stands for did not finish. This is another reason I love Scribed, though, is I started listening to it on audiobook. I was trying to get through it. I had high hopes. It just wasn't for me. So I'm glad that I didn't buy this book. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. And I love when there's great information that I'm interested in and learning about. Like in Chasing Fire, it's about smoke jumpers, which was a definite draw for me. I was really excited to read this one. And I am so sorry, but I hated it. It was so sexist that even I couldn't overlook it. And while as much as I talk about equality, there's a lot that I can overlook in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I think we have to overlook those things, which is bullshit that we do. This one, I could not. Initially, I liked Rowan. But she started to grate on my nerves with her perfection and obsession with being in shape. I tried to overlook the lard-ass jokes in the beginning and the run-like-a-girl jokes, since in the novel, the women are obviously just as capable as the men. All for authentic, too. And I'm certain that this behavior is probably pretty authentic in certain male-dominated places like this arena. It just got so excessive that I, I couldn't listen anymore. And I don't think I'm a prude at all, but the use of the C word was excessive too. Well, it's been used in other books and TV shows that I did really enjoy. And I didn't like that one part or that use of that word. It was like that this was the final straw for me. It was just one thing on top of another on top of another that just made me say, forget it. And I just wanted it to get better. (laughs) But I decided it was not worth my time. And if I wasn't enjoying it, then why waste my time? I just need to stop. It got great reviews, but it was not for me. So if you're going to read it, you know, no judgment here. If you read it and enjoyed it, or you want to read it, it just wasn't for me. Year One was another book that I read of hers, which is very much a deviation from what she normally writes about with the romance novel kind of stuff. So another fun fact about me is that I'm kind of a light prepper. (laughs) In my family, we aren't exactly preppers, but I like to think that we're prepared. We've always got full pantries, are familiar with cooking, things that you need to be prepared for to, or things that you need to be able to do, kind of be a little bit more independent. And when I was on Facebook, Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore. It was just too negative. So I had to get off Facebook. I was part of a few proper groups, which are pretty cool and informative. And I definitely recommend checking them out sometime. There are some people that take things way to an extreme, but there is a lot of great information out there on how to be more self-sufficient. There was another recommendation as well for the John Matherson series. If you've heard of those one second after one year after in the final day. And I enjoyed that series as well. The author William Fortune has a strong educational and military background. So it's heavy propaganda for the great country of the United States of America, which there are definitely some great things about our country, but the characters were all like best of the best Americans. And so there were some times that the books got a little bit cringy and the main character, you know, is this like perfect military guy. And there isn't really room for 
what I would expect to be plenty of imperfection in humans, especially during the apocalypse. Sorry, I'm off on a tangent again, but Back to Year One by Roberts. It's a series, The Chronicles of the One. It's a post-apocalyptic novel that starts out with a pandemic. And I started reading during the pandemic, so it felt a little appropriate for me. It has fantasy and magical elements, so keep that in mind too, that even though it's that post-apocalyptic, fantasy and magical go along with it. I liked Arliss the best. She is a journalist who's recording the events as they happen. And in an apocalypse, I would imagine myself having a similar role as someone who documents and records not only the events, but both the heroism and depravity of people along the way. I did enjoy it, but it was more middle of the road for me. I haven't read any of the others in the series, and I doubt that I will. There's just too many other books competing for my attention. I can see why it's popular, though, and I think it's worth checking out if you're into post-apocalyptic novels, just again, keep that kind of magical element in mind. Another novel that really interested me was The Search, and I would say I enjoyed it almost as much as I did Northern Lights. It's set in Washington State, which is somewhere I want to go desperately and have never been. There's something about that deep green scenery that really calls to me, and maybe it's because I love nature so much and grew up with a whole forest in my backyard. But places like New Zealand, Ireland, the Northwest United States are all on my list of places to go that I just want to be in that like amazing greenery. Fiona is the main character of the search. She owns a dog training school and is a volunteer with the canine search and rescue in the area. This is also another story where the murder mystery is central alongside the romance. So likely another reason that I enjoyed it. It wasn't just the romance. There was a good murder mystery too. The details of the canine search and rescue are also pretty fascinating and well-researched. I really think my mom would like this one and Northern Lights since we have similar tastes. So if you're into books like we are and have kind of a similar taste, I think you might like this one too. Another book of Nora Roberts that stood out to me and what I wanted to talk about is Shelter in Place. This was a book that I got on Audible. I just finished the search, wasn't sure what to use my credit on. So I was kind of on a, hey, Nora Roberts is pretty decent kind of kick. And it was recently released. So I thought I'd give it a try. Shelter in Place is a book about a mass shooting in a mall by teenagers who attend the local school. And it follows both victims and survivors of the shooting and then the hunt to take down those responsible. This one was really tough. It was descriptive and there were times I wasn't even sure that I was going to get through it. Definitely cried multiple times, especially comparing it mentally to real life shootings and empathizing with the survivors and the family members and what they must be going through. So someone who's sensitive like me, it it might be kind of tough. Mom, if you're listening, I wouldn't recommend this one for you. (laughs) I did think that it was really well done, but I can understand some wanting to skip this one altogether. This was another deviation from the main romance theme of a lot of other books of Roberts that I've read. And it uh, it was a surprise. It's hard to say I liked it or enjoyed it because it so closely relates to the incredible real suffering that so many people have experienced, the fear that so many people hold in their hearts about a situation like this. But I did find that it was worth a listen. I'd recommend it to people who are going into it kind of aware of what it's about and being prepared for that emotional 
don't wait to kind of hit you. I've read another of Nora Roberts books that were decent, but not really as noteworthy as the ones that I've talked about. There weren't any that I disliked as much as Chasing Fire. That to me was was on the worst list. <laughs> the remainder were more middle of the road, like two to three star books. Some of the other titles that I've read, Carolina Moon, Midnight Bayou, which is set in Louisiana. And I actually liked the movie better on this one. The reason, so the reason I watched this is because I had visited Oak Alley Plantation and I wanted to see all the movies that Oak Alley Plantation is in, which Midnight Bayou is one and Interview with a Vampire is another. So that was the only reason I watched the movie. The movie really isn't good, but it's not horrible. And Lawrence DeMille as Lena Simone was bomb. Book was just kind of okay. Sorry, tangent. (laughs) Other books were Storm Warning, The Obsession, Public Secret, Black Hills. I'm sure there were more, but these were the titles that I remembered as I was going through that huge, massive list of all of her books. My message just continues to be read what you want and don't let some elitist reader shame you about what you enjoy. So if you're interested in any of these books that I've talked about, don't hesitate to pick them up. Heck, even if you like Chasing Fire and you want to read that one, go for it. I am not going to be here to judge you. Media recommendations. So Good Girls on Netflix. I can't remember if I talked about this last week, but I enjoy it. And even though it's giving me anxiety, I enjoy it. I'm on season two, but already the like shtick is the ladies opening something like a car trunk, a house door, a hole in the ground, a storage facility door, and their faces are frozen in shock. (laughs) It's laughable and fun, even though it is anxiety inducing. That's uh, an interesting one to check out. I also watched the movie Moonfall which was just okay. I liked the concept, but it felt too rushed. There's so much good TV on now, and it's where there is time to tell a good story. Also, it's a 2020 movie, and while I adore Halle Berry, and she's great in the role, why are we still having strong women depicted as tough, emotionless bitches? The strongest women I know in my life are sensitive and emotional. They have sympathy. They have empathy. And that cliche is so over with. Real women and real men can be great leaders without being heartless and hurtful. And that's something that we need to get over, I think, in both real life and especially in the media that we consume. I have no book recommendations this week because the only thing I'm reading is the witching hour. Damn it. (laughs) So I'm going to finish that. Thanks for joining. You can find me on Twitter at Don't Read Drunk, Instagram at Don't Read Drunk, email at Don't Read Drunk at gmail.com, Don't Read Drunk None of those have an apostrophe in the don't. This is a hobby podcast, so you can help support this podcast by doing a one time donation through PayPal using my email, Don't Read Drunk at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash Don't Read Drunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz. Louise at One Up Till Sun Up, who created the music. Fabulous. Thank you, Erin. You can find Erin and One Up Till Sun Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue coffeehouse.com. Next episode <laughs> The Witching Hour by Anne Rice. I promise this is what we're going to talk about. I will finish. <laughs> Bye, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.